0: Chapter Eleven of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Bairn's Father This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: Those Autograph Albums, Fitz, A Wire from War Office, New Appointment. For a couple of days, I stuck pretty solidly to my works company in my little wooden hut, as there was a lot to be done in getting the men's domestic affairs in order and also I wanted to grasp fully the ins and outs of the whole job myself and to see what was required by the aerial potentates of the neighborhood. After a few days, things straightened out, and I was then free to spend the evenings more or less as I liked. As I liked, of course, meant going off into Aldershot. I walked up the Farnborough Road and in due course reached the Queen's Hotel. Many of my readers will know this resort of the elite. I admit I am at times lured by a whiskey and soda, but in this case I expected a letter or two as I had given the hotel as an address. Not knowing the neighborhood, it was a good central spot to call at. I went in and up to the box office. "'Any letters for me?' I asked. Sweet maiden with a smile and a brooch made out of a second lieutenant's metallic star called from a British warm. "'Are you Captain Barron's father?' "'Guilty, me lord.' SM with S, only a bit wider. Here are three letters for you, and I wonder if I dare ask you, but would you be awfully good and put something in my autograph album? Any little thing will do. I smilingly reply, righto with pleasure. False creature that I am, I don't say that that makes the 500th album I've seen and that the sight of one more will make me commit some diabolical atrocity. I can't say that. As the owners of those five hundred albums would think me, stuck up. And I should hate to be thought stuck up. So I take the Morocco-bound volume centered with Shem el-Nassim, with the golden word album scrawled about its convex padded cover and turn over the multicolored pages in the hopes of finding one on which it may be possible to make a rapid scribble. I held converse with the damsel and then had dinner. By easy stages I returned to my wooden hut, slipped myself into my canvas scabbard, i.e., my valise, and went to sleep. Next morning, as usual, I emerged into the daylight and confronted my works company. I found them standing in two ranks at a variety of angles, and I proceeded to inspect them. I had to be careful whom I spoke to about dirty buttons or no buttons at all in that group. I knew by rumor that at least one member of the party went in for having fits. I saw a fit in progress on one occasion but owing to the crowd surrounding the patient I couldn't see what he was like, so I never was able to recognize him on parade. I wasn't going to risk a strafe on buttons which might end in one member of the party flipping about on the ground like a landed trout, particularly in front of the commander of the aerial stores. I had hardly begun the parade when an orderly approached from the main offices across the field. He handed me a military telegram. Having squirted out that time-honored formula, Carry on, Sergeant Major. I turned away to read the wire. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was very much to this effect. Captain Barron's father to proceed at once to join the expeditionary force, Staff Captain, Fourth Army Railheads. I nearly had a fit myself, then. My great wish had been granted. I was to go at once to France and be amongst the real stuff once more. But what was all this about Staff Captain? and Fourth Army railheads. All that was Greek to me. I felt frightened of the job. I knew the ordinary regimental front, but this staff captain business was something quite different. However, I didn't worry about that. All I cared about was the fact that I was going out. It's a curious feeling, this wanting to go back. Nobody could possibly want to go back to life in the trenches or to participate in an offensive if one looks at it from that point of view alone. But it's because all your pals are out there at the front, and all the people who really matter are at the front. That's why you long to be one of them, and in with them, in the big job on hand. The satisfaction of feeling that you are in the real, live, and most important part of the war is very great. The feeling that you are amongst all the gang who have the nasty part to do and that you are accepted by them as one of the throng is enormous. But people must never be misled into thinking that just being out in France is sufficient to produce this feeling of satisfaction. Oh dear no! You must have been either in the infantry or the flying corps. Infantry is the thing. You can take your hat off to anyone in any infantry battalion anywhere at the front, to a distance of not more than two miles from the firing line. You can then be certain that you have saluted men who have gone to the hub of the show. Those are the chaps to be amongst. That I was to go to France again was my one great joy, but I could see by the wire I was not going as I had done before. I was now a staff captain. No more sitting through long days and nights in waterlogged trenches with Bill, Bert, and Alf. No more picking my way past the stiff and swollen cows at Dead Pig Farm on my way to the ration dump. No more sandbag filling on rainy nights. I was both pleased and sorry. Sounds curious, but it's true. I was pleased at the honor of being promoted to staff captain, vision of red tabs, but sorry I should not be one of the jungle folk of the trenches, as I always used to call them. However, I knew I should be right up close to the front and would see it all, and also I was glad to think that I should now be able to observe the war from a different and wider point of view. I was red-hot keen for going out, and forthwith began to set about making arrangements for handing over the works company. I left next day, and as the train slid out of the station I felt that now at last I was off to where this war-life appealed to me most. The Isle of Wight, Salisbury Plain, Aldershot, all this was over. Now for France, Flanders, and adventure. End of chapter 11 Recording by Philip Gould